Let's take a quick little journey back to our preteen years. Remember how confusing it all was? Your body was starting to evolve and new body things were starting to happen overnight, it felt. And you started having weird thoughts and desires that you just couldn't control. You might have been questioning what you were experiencing versus what you saw as normal on a day-to-day basis. Intimate scenes and movies and TV shows started feeling different when you'd watch them. It was a weird time. During adolescence, we were sponges, naive, insecure, embarrassed. We were begging for answers. So it's really not a surprise that evangelical Christianity saw a ripe field for their patriarchal harvest here in the 90s when the Southern Baptist Church launched the True Love Weights movement. This movement required kids to take pledges and wear True Love Weights rings that showed their commitment to being virgins until their wedding night. And it bled over into the secular world too. In the years following True Love Weights, the federal government spent two billion dollars on abstinence-based education as late as the Obama presidency. I'm here to tell you there's been a recent reckoning with this movement and not a moment too soon. I'm Sarah. I took the pledge at 14 and I broke it at 17. This is Reclaiming and Girls to the Fucking Front. episode of Reclaiming the Weekly Podcast, where we spark a revolution from the inside out. I'm Sarah. My pronouns are she, her. I am a writer, a witch, a pole dancer in LA, and I'm happy to have you here with me this week. If you are a new listener, welcome. I'm happy you are here. I am so happy. If you're a veteran reclaimer, I love you so much. Please continue to share this podcast with your friends. I love you. Thank you so much. Also, um, before I get to the topic this week, just want to make sure you're signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter hits your inbox every Monday. Same with this podcast. These two together are really complimentary and I'm really enjoying the discourse that I'm getting from the newsletter these days. So if you're not signed up, please do. Don't miss out. You can sign up at the website at reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaimeffingeverything.com. Also, I say this every single week, but if you could please head to Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this, give it a five-star rating and review. I'd be so indebted to you. Helps me with the algorithm. And yeah, that's it for now. How you doing, everyone? Um, I wanted to talk about True Love Weights this week. Um, I hope you're all doing okay. It's been a wild week. There's been some really big wins, like Supreme Court judge in Wisconsin, as well as the Chicago mayoral race. There's also been some pretty big fucking... Uh, losses as well. The Tennessee three comes to mind. The Texas um, federal judge ruling the FDA's 23 year approval of mifepristone abortion medication um, as uh, just overturning it kind of fucking sucks. Uh, lots going on there. I have been saying it all along. I've been thinking that the Republican slash GOP slash religious rights tactic is to just put out all this ridiculous bullshit. Hope that we all see and take it all the way up to the Supreme Court where they have installed six justices that will put this um, bullshit ideology into law of the land. So just, yeah, let's just keep an eye on that. Um, if you follow the newsletter, I talk about it. That's where um, we can really have a good discourse. So once again, I really recommend you sign up for the newsletter. Um, if you are not already signed up, that's reclaimeffingeverything.com, reclaimeffingeverything.com. Okay. 
House has been kept. Let's talk about True Love Weights. Uh, if you were a teen or a preteen in the 90s or the early 2000s, you might have encountered this movement. If hashtags were a thing back then, this would have definitely been a hashtag. And honestly, it's probably it. True Love Weights was a really tangential movement, um, but it was an organized embodiment of purity culture, which I've talked about before and I will absolutely talk about in the future. To me, purity culture and in Christianity was really the was and is uh, the threshold to immediate danger for any woman or girl or femme identifying person. The primary idea behind true love weights and purity culture in general is sexual abstinence until marriage, until the wedding night. Um, this is important. It was no penetrative sex until you get to that honeymoon suite, babes. And that's not setting people up for success. Right. I'll talk about that a little bit. But there's ton more to purity culture than just this movement. I'm not going to go into those topics and themes because I have already um, and I will uh, in the future. A lot of these purity culture tangent um, themes will take their own episodes. But I wanted to talk specifically about the movement True Love Waits because I know a lot of my listeners and readers um, know this. I, I've talked to you. I know that this was part of your life. I know when we talk about that, we say those three words, you're taken right back to this time period. Um, I also wanted to talk about the cultural fallout and repercussions of this movement that's happening today. It's not a lot, but it's starting to pick up steam. And I'm really hoping that I can contribute my voice to in my story to this discussion as well, because this is a reckoning that's been a long time coming. Um, it's kind of half of my own story here, probably very similar story to a lot of people that are listening and have kind of a cultural analysis about this movement. So let's get into it, right? True love waits. As I mentioned, it was an actual movement. It wasn't just some phrase of some purity culture rule. It was a movement. It was a pledge. It was a whole system of cultural ephemera and merchandise. The goal of true love waits was to save your virginity until holy heterosexual marriage, because at the time, marriage equality wasn't a thing and same sex couples legally could not get married. So obviously they meant heterosexual marriage. Let's unpack the word true, though. When people who push this movement say true, they mean correct or they mean right, only acceptable, biblical, holy, safe. When they say true, they mean that this is the only correct way to love in a romantic relationship. They're saying that the opposite or those who don't wait until marriage to have sex have false love, love that is less than love that should be pitied, but also shamed and judged and held at a distance. They're calling those who have premarital sex fake and unreal. I could keep using synonyms and antonyms for the word true or truth, but I just wanted to establish a baseline here. Now let's unpack love. By love, they mean romantic love, partnered heteronormative love. Ultimately, the kind of love that made it to marriage. Relationships that don't result in marriage are fake again. They're talking about straight love because at the time, again, gay folks couldn't get married. I want to point out that love here in this context did in fact mean romantic love, but it was also the kind of pairing and partnership that perpetuated these ideals because ultimately the goal of this romantic pairing was to have kids and have lots of them. Okay, now let's look at weights. Weights refers to waiting until marriage or the wedding night to lose your virginity. But I will mention later that really virginity pretty much only meant PIV, penetrative sex, anal sex, oral sex, and pretty much everything else was 
still on the table. That was kind of the loophole, my friends. I knew people personally that did this. The hypocrisy was absolutely infuriating to me as a very confused 15-year-old. True Love Waits, therefore, was a movement that aimed to shame people into seeking out heteronormative marriages, holding any hope for sexual fulfillment over our heads by demanding our compliance. It categorized anyone who fell outside of these boundaries, as I mentioned, between True and Love and Waits as false, fake, unreal, less than. As humans, we have a very evolutionary sexual desires and behavior. So of course, we were all up against a losing battle here. And they knew that. It's psychological abuse to assure our repentance and compliance. And for those of us who are women, femmes, or deeply sensitive people pleasers, it worked. I also want to say that it wasn't just girls that were affected and harmed by true love weights. Boys were too. I will get to that in a little bit. In the 2011 book, Making Chastity Sexy, uh, the author Christine Gardner criticizes True Love Waits for using sex to sell abstinence. That's very true. I mean, they got money by selling abstinence and they used sex to do it by promising more satisfying sexual activity within marriage for those who abstain from premarital sex. She argues that it was it reinforced selfish desires for gratification, sets people up for divorce and dissatisfaction with marriage. Ding, ding, ding. That happened to me and simply adapts secular forms of religious ends. Basically, the movement guaranteed mind blowing sex with you and your husband or wife if you waited because you were safe. But anyone who's been in an abusive marriage or even just a relationship is any marriage like by default, actually always safe? I don't really think so. True Love Waits also promised night after night of passion within the confines of holy heteronormative marriage, but only if you obeyed the pledge. Again, it shamed us through a whole culture of quote unquote accountability in which we were required to divulge every single detail of our most private shameful secrets to the adults in our lives, many of whom were middle-aged men. Any transgression had to be atoned for, but that wasn't necessarily part of True Love Waits. That was just purity culture. But let's talk about the movement and where it started. True Love Waits was launched in April 1983, 30 years ago, by the Southern Baptist Church. It's worth noting here that the Southern Baptist Convention has gone through some pretty heinous revelations lately with all kinds of sexual abuse cover-ups and deep misogyny making headlines, and rightfully so. True Love Waits was sponsored by a group called Lifeway Christian Resources, and it formally encouraged young people to make a public pledge to wait until marriage to have sex, often by wearing a purity or signing a pledge card. It also included books and pamphlets and conferences, workshops, and other outreach that promoted abstinence. It promised by waiting until marriage to have sex, adherents would have healthy and implicitly mind-blowing sex while avoiding all of the dangers of it before marriage, such as pregnancy, STIs, and emotional pain. Okay, so all of that's a lot to unpack. If you were a young person during the 90s and 2000s, you probably saw these pamphlets and books and booths at concerts and other events. Christian bands promoted the program and groups conscripted ambassadors and youth groups and on public school campuses to hold rallies and other outreach events. At these tables and booths and events, people could sign pledge cards sponsored by True Love Waits. So what was the pledge? Well, here it is verbatim. Believing that True Love Waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, and my future children to be sexually abstinent from this day until the day I enter a biblical marriage relationship. 
So this pledge was specifically for True Love Weights. And I've mentioned before, there are a range of various pledges and virginity packs and commitments. There were so many chances to take this pledge if you lived anywhere near the fringes of Y2K Christianity. In the first year, more than 102,000 people signed it. The Catholic Church even took it on and it spread like wildfire during those years. The church used occasions like Valentine's Day to further market and publicize their message. The movement, the True Love Weights movement actually spawned a bunch of other movements similar to it where kids would take pledges. And by 2004, about 2.5 million American kids had taken the True Love Weights pledge. This movement was built on an idea that for centuries, Christians followed God's call to set themselves apart, right? That w- that's kind of their thing. They physically marked their body with an outward sign to announce an internal commitment. That was That's foundational to being a born again Christian. For believers who desire first and foremost to love God, the pledge and ring was basically, I heard this called holy PDA. It's so good. It's very, very much like a PDA situation for Christians. But let's talk about that ring. So True Love Weights actually had a ring, one that was associated with the movement and all kinds of knockoffs and other non-affiliated rings that use the words True Love Weights. I had one. It was engraved. It was a silver band, but they got pretty damn intricate. I've seen them with princess and heart cut diamonds and stones and intricate gold settings. Usually it was a birthstone and it was usually bestowed upon girls around the time of puberty when they're already asking so many questions about their developing body as I mentioned in the open to this podcast episode. The plain silver rings, though, like the kind I had, ran about $10. They were sold at church, at Christian concerts, purity conventions and purity balls and Christian bookstores. Some people, like I said, had gemstones or diamonds. Some had passed down heirloom pieces. You wore the ring on your wedding finger, of course. I read one account of a ring that had a blue sapphire heart in the middle with two diamonds on each side that represented, quote, mommy and daddy standing next to me to help me stay strong. That was from one of the blogs I read, which just really made me cringe. The pledge and the ring were just one part of the whole vehicle, though. There was a whole network of books and music and culture associated with the movement and the phrase true love waits, which let's be real. It's all just pure propaganda. In 2002, Josh McDowell published Why True Love Waits, the definitive book on how to help your kids resist sexual pressure. Now, I want to note here that on Josh McDowell's author photo, it's a older man and probably his mid 60s. And why the fuck are these people so concerned with monitoring kids sexuality? Okay, that was just an aside. But this book was the only definitive book I could find with the title True Love Waits, but there were so many others that preached the same message. A big one was I Kiss Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris. It was published in 1987 and sold 1.2 million copies. It was widely seen at the time as like the pinnacle book of True Love Waits and ruined so many people's lives. It was really what catapulted, though, the purity culture movement um, when I was in it. I Kiss Dating Goodbye wasn't outright associated with True Love Waits, but it was definitely part of its gravitational sphere. And I read one account of a person calling this book a terrorist manifesto, controlling, violent, deeply misogynistic. Okay, you can I'm not like an expert in terrorist manifestos, but you can just form your own opinions. (laughs) Let me know what you think. Um, Moving on. There was a. True Love Wits compilation album, too, with DC Talk, Newsboys, Michael W. Smith, Distance, Code of Ethics. I think I know about three of those, but still. Christian artists and bands did purity tours with concerts for kids to spread the message. True Love Waits as an organization actually sponsored these tours. Some artists like Jackie Velasquez made specific songs for them, like this one called I Promise about their commitment to the pledge. And within 10 years, an estimated 1 million True Love Waits commitment cards had been signed and displayed at events and places, including the National Mall, 
the Georgia Dome and the Golden Gate Bridge. The movement continued to gain momentum into the new millennium by offering events internationally, too, including in places like Uganda, Australia and the 2004 Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece. It's also interesting to note that True Love Waits wasn't just confined to the church world. It bled into the secular and it was also funded by the government. Are you ready for the ick? In the Reagan years, 1981 specifically, the Adolescent Family Life Act, nicknamed the Chastity Act, passed, empowering the government for the first time in U.S. history to fund abstinence-only advocacy programs. Basically, just to stop the uptick in pregnancies and they say to curb the spread of HIV AIDS, but we know they didn't actually give a fuck about AIDS victims. Then in the next administration, the first Bush dismissed a case brought by the ACLU that claimed abstinence ideology violated the constitutional separation of church and state, which it does. <laughs> the elder Bush ratcheted up funding for purity promotion and the oxymoronic, quote, abstinence only sex education was born. Then in 1986, Bill Clinton's Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act, which was nicknamed the Workfare Act, passed with a writer called Title V, Section 510B, which made virginity the legal governmental standard for American teenagers. Rich, rich, right? Coming from that fucking guy. Over the next five years, $437.5 million in federal and state funding supported organizations willing to teach that a mutually faithful monogamous relationship in the context of marriage is the expected standard of sexual activity. Again, this is before um, marriage equality became law of the land. So what they meant by that was straight, holy, patriarchal marriage. Under the second Bush administration, Organizations that promoted abstinence and encouraged teens to sign True Love Weights pledges or wear rings received federal grants. The Silver Ring thing, which was a subsidiary of a Pennsylvania evangelical church, received more than a million dollars from the government to promote abstinence and to sell its rings in the U.S. and abroad. For three decades, virginity pledges were tallied by the Government Accountability Office as proof of efficacy of these programs. Success was really only measured then in like the receipts for buying rings and completing courses. It didn't really take into account people's actual behavior. Barack Obama stopped the bleeding of this government spending after nearly like, as I mentioned, nearly two billion had been blown on purity promotion. But he still threw a five million dollar bone to virginity watchdog in order to get the Affordable Care Act passed. He proposed to fully defund abstinence-only programs in the 2017 budget, and by that time, only 19 states required sexual education to be medically accurate. 2017. <laughs> so then Donald Trump won. On the campaign trail, his running mate, Mike Pence, affirmed his commitment to funding abstinence-only organizations, adding to the cumulative $4.5 million he had already awarded in Indiana as governor. So we know what it was. We know how it was funded and how it spread. What about the harm? The consequences of this movement are really still being studied today, and it took a really long time to start. The true consequences of this movement really became illuminated in the years since Trump took office. And I say, you know, I, I argue this is because, truthfully, his election and his dumpster fire presidency really illuminated the harm that had been caused over decades by evangelical Christianity and the religious right. The True Love Waits movement's overall physical and emotional consequences are numerous. The movement's long-term impact on relationships and sexual health and satisfaction are probably still not totally understood. I know that personally, I never thought to examine this part of my life when I was stuck in my first marriage, but now I can and I'm starting to see where this insidious forced lifestyle really harmed me. Although there really isn't 
much out there yet about the true love weights movement specifically. And I'm hoping with this podcast to change that we can look directly at the recent studies of abstinence only education to see how it's really, really fucked us up. (laughs) First, it left kids of the 90s and 2000s without the skills and info we really needed to protect ourselves. Think back to when you were a horny teenager. Your hormones were naturally raging as your body developed. Maybe you were making out with your girlfriend or boyfriend and oops, stuff is starting to happen because of course it is. And not only do you not have a condom or any kind of birth control to protect you, you aren't even really sure how to use it either. I knew people that had taken the pledge that had unprotected sex because they were told carrying a condom meant you were just tempting yourself to do it. If you don't give yourself the condom or the birth control, you're going to be more likely to not do it, right? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) I saw a quote on NPR in an article about abstinence-only education that I really liked. A researcher said, we tell people not to drink and drive, but we don't teach them not to drive. And we would never withhold information about seatbelts because they wouldn't know how to protect themselves. That's so true. The fact that True Love Waits and abstinence-only groups do this actually violates medical ethics because it generally withholds information about pregnancy and STI prevention and overstates the risk of birth control failure. This movement also totally fucked up our relationship with our bodies, filling us with shame and distrust, which when forced on young people whose bodies are already changing, has really long-lasting psychological and sexual implications. For me, it really wasn't until my 30s that I started to find sex enjoyable or my body worthy. And there are still times when I, 20 years later, feel gross and shamed after any sexual activity. That's how fucked up this movement was and how long-lasting its effects are. And I consider myself to be pretty fucking sexually liberated, considering what I went through in my my teens and my 20s. I've talked about this in previous episodes, including from Purity Culture to Pole Dancer. I'll link it in the show notes where I talk about pole dancing and how it helped me heal from this trauma. Also, True Love Weights didn't actually work. I can tell you that from personal fucking experience. I signed the pledge when I was 14 and still lost my virginity at 17, although it's pretty ironic that I'm now married to the guy I lost it to all those years ago. The joke's on me, I guess. If you're new to reclaiming, basically, I'm now married to my former high school sweetheart. We reconnected in uh, 2017, I think it was, after 10 years of a whole different life for both of us. I I, Yeah, a whole different life. So um, it's all kind of funny that I'm married to the person I lost my virginity to now. But um, yeah, moving on. (laughs) So emotional and physical consequences aside, not only were True Live Weights pledges ineffective in reducing the rate of sexually transmitted infections and contraceptive use, it just made us more crafty and clever when we were sexually active. The loopholes were anal and oral sex and plenty of heavy petting and other things. According to a study published in 2005 in the Journal of Adolescent Health, 21% of young adults who had taken the True Love Weights pledge actually had vaginal intercourse, 13% had practiced oral sex, and 4% had had anal sex. 88% of True Love Weights pledgers had premarital intercourse. And of course, just as I mentioned, this was all pretty risky because once they did engage, kids who had pledged were one third less likely to use any kind of protection. That was to be expected. The researchers were because it's hard to imagine how one could both pledge to be a virgin until marriage and carry a condom while unmarried. True Love Weights and purity culture at large, I've argued, place most of the burden on young girls, but True Love Weights hurt boys too. It painted sexual desire, which is normal in human beings, especially in adolescence with raging hormones. It painted it this sexual desire as a battle, which only perpetuated toxic masculinity. In Stephen Artebaum and Fred Stoker's Every Young Man's Battle, which was published in 2002, the authors construct sexual purity as a war in which, quote, our bodies often break ranks, engaging in battle against us. They proposed that abstinence was a way to be a fighter, a real man and a soldier. How fucking horrible is that? 
If you fall victim to your natural young kid human desires, you aren't a fire fighter. You are weak. You are not a real man. That is such bullshit. And my heart breaks for every boy who had to experience that and had to hear that. By reinforcing this male aggressiveness, it also shows that the church really just weaponizes sexuality for our bodies through stuff like true love weights to perpetuate the hierarchy. They didn't, I don't think they actually gave a fuck about virginity. I think they just wanted to keep the established patriarchy, female passivity and male aggressiveness. I think that's really the only reason why they fucking wanted it. One True Love Waits book actually even goes so far as to shame men for being effeminate if they can't control their sexuality. There's a quote from one from one book. As a guy, you are designed to be the man. So shut up with the pansy baby whining about not being able to control it and move on. Many purity manuals actually constructed these young men's work um, and to establish their own self-control over their desire as training ground for their later authority, their later God-ordained patriarchal authority that they would be expected to wield in other aspects of their lives as men. This is especially pertinent for teenagers who were basically told that the husbands were expected to be both spiritually and sexually dominant. This, this is this was pertinent for the teenager boys that were told the guy is in charge of the relationship. This is so much pressure and it's so toxic and it's so dangerous. And it's no wonder why boys can be just as fucked up about the true love weights movement as girls are. As I mentioned in recent years, though, there's been quite a reckoning with this movement and the harm it's caused a whole generation of people. I was actually pulling up articles while I was doing the research for this episode that were written as early as 2004, questioning the movement and its efficacy. Even modern 2023 Christians are starting to reject the old True Love's Weights movement. I read some Christian blogs about the topic and one blogger even said, what I find is that messages taught as Christian messages I heard in youth groups, literature and on the internet are not actually Christian at all. They're just slightly more conservative message than what the current culture is teaching, painted with a layer of Christianese because it's genuinely at its core, a bullshit message. You can love someone without waiting for marriage to have sex. In fact, you don't even need to get married at all. And I don't need to go into the details about how many people who impose these lessons on young people are doing all kinds of shit shady extramarital shit in private. It is all projection, my loves. It always has been with these people and it always will be. <laughs> true Love Waits assumes that it's the norm for teens to have sex. And even that isn't true. Not every kid wants to have sex, you fucking weirdos. But the ones who did, it treated it like Virginia, like the most important thing we had, our only power. But really, it was their power because they dictated our wielding of it. Now, in 2023, people are marrying later and some people aren't marrying at all. Millennials, the ones most affected by True Love Waits, I think saw through the bullshit as we got older and kind of threw the book out with this. There are quite a few reasons not to get married and have kids these days, aka follow the conventional Christian life path that aren't just a result of our reckoning with True Love Waits and the harm it did to our bodies and our relationships. It's also a generation that can't really afford anything. Our planet is dying and our rights are being stripped away. The reckoning is taking place though with True Love Waits and I'm here for it. It started small with people throwing their purity rings out and a disavowing the True Love Waits movement. In 2019, the progressive Lutheran minister, Nadia Boltz-Weber, called for people to send her their old purity rings so that she could cast them into a sculpture of female anatomy. I actually really like Nadia. I read her substack. She's really wonderful. Many young celebrities from the Y2K period who once advocated for purity rings actually now have turned around to disavow them. People like Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, and the Jonas Brothers. 
Also, notably in 2019, Joshua Harris of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the book I mentioned earlier that catapulted the movement to the mainstream. He left Christianity. He divorced his wife, his wife who had he had famously kissed only for the first time at the altar at their wedding. He had been the lead pastor of a megachurch until 2015, and he resigned to go back to school. Then in 2016, he released a statement apologizing to the people that were hurt by his book. Then his announcement on Instagram said this, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. He also added to the LGBTQ plus community, I want to say that I am sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. Harris also stated that he personally knows people who feel like he ruined their lives and that they married the wrong person because of his books. He now sees that I Kiss Dating Goodbye actually really misled a lot of people. Since his reckoning, Harris has apologized for the book and ended its publication. There are a lot of things that enrage me when I think about true love weights, including how damaging it was to my relationship with my body, to sex and to pleasure. But I think one of the things that upset me the most is that the very people I saw pushing this the hardest were definitely the ones that were having sex anyway. I can't tell you how many church Christian couples I knew that actually had sex like the horny teenagers they were while still pressuring us to follow this bullshit rule, this bullshit pledge. It was so maddening. Why did the rules apply to me, but not to them? I had been so emotionally whipped into being terrified of my body and of sex, pledging my true love for my wedding night. So how come these people had the guts to defy it on Saturday and then repent on Sunday with no repercussions? In fact, they were actually applauded for it. Like, good for you, young ones, for atoning. It was all so fucked up. I had a doormate once that was a huge part of her church's youth group, dated a guy in the worship band, and they literally have sex all afternoon as they got home on Sundays. I know because I lived in the room next to her and I could hear it. I resented it all so much. It made me so angry. I also saw so many people having everything but PIV, penis and vagina sex. I knew people that would take serious advantage of this loophole. I wish there were other words for loopholes, <laughs> but all of it was just so gross. No one actually followed their pledge and it made it so hard for people who were scared and terrified into following it because we never truly believed there was anyone out there on our side. It was so lonely, so confusing and so frustrating. I've talked about my own purity pledge at the purity camp when I was 14. I had boyfriends starting at 15. And when I was 17, I had been so traumatized by the push pull of trying to battle my body and my sexuality and so confused about who I was attracted to and why I couldn't date them that I began self-harming. At the time too, I tried to branch out and explore myself sexually, but each time I was met with more shame and more judgment. I remember a mentor from the church asking me for explicit details about what my then boyfriend did to me at the time. I tried to fight it, tried to date and be sexually free. I got myself on birth control all by myself, the depot shot. But ultimately, I was lassoed back into the culture that told me the only way I would ever survive would be if I followed the true path of holding off on cohabitation and sex until marriage. I lost my virginity to someone other than my first husband, as I mentioned, the person who would end up being my second husband. But I would only be safe once I was married and monogamous with my opposite sex partner. The biggest fear of the true love weights adherence then wasn't eternal damnation or pregnancy or STIs or emotional sadness of being a chewed up piece of gum, which was the movement's favorite analogy for girls who had sex before marriage. It was getting caught getting found out. This happened to me too. I remember one time when I was 15, absolutely panicked for three weeks that I'd gotten pregnant, even though the act that I had just done with my boyfriend at the time could not have physically possibly resulted in a pregnancy. I just had no idea, but I spent three weeks crying and shaking and being terrified. I'm proud to say that through a lot of therapy, EMDR, pole dancing, embodiment, and self-work, I've truly illuminated the toxic shadows of my internalized sexual trauma. It's very possible, my loves. As I mentioned, pole dancing has 
has greatly helped me heal some of this purity culture trauma. And I'll reiterate it again. It's scary to move your body and do things that were once considered unsafe. But I'm married and still feel shame around sex at times. It still happens. But there's hope. I'll put a few uh, books that helped me in the show notes. But I'm very happy to say that this issue is finally getting some attention. There are true love weights and purity culture survivor groups like the one that I joined that meet to unravel some of these deeply ingrained messages together. There are also healers who specialize in helping people who are part of purity culture as they work through their own shame and body issues. Witchcraft also helped me, especially the goddess Lilith, who's my matron saint and basically was the first ultimate feminist. Uh, she's considered in the lore to be Adam's first wife of Adam and Eve, who he divorced because she refused to have sex in the missionary position where she would be on the bottom. I'll do an episode on Lilith later, um, but it's things like this that I've been learning about and teaching myself and reading up on and seeking teachers out um, that have really helped me make sense of what I went through and what I continue to go through today. But there are so, so, so many resources for people unlearning these harmful messages. And if you need some pointers, please, please reach out to me and I will be happy to direct you. I'm still working my way through the trauma of true love weights, but every day I see more people working their way through it too. And I'm reminded that we're all in this together, my loves. It seems overwhelming, but we have each other. And when we realize that we can truly begin to heal because we're not alone. That's it for this week, my loves. I hope you liked it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Once again, if you are new here, I'm so glad you joined us. Please make sure you are signed up for Reclaiming the Newsletter. You can sign up at the website at reclaimeffingeverything.com. That's reclaimeffingeverything.com. You can follow me on Instagram at reclaimeffingeverything. And please, if you do, please give this podcast a five-star rating and review. Also, I just launched my feminist communications consulting agency. If you're a feminine friend, professional or business owner without a brand, communication strategy would like to work with me to amplify your story and break the patriarchy from within please visit my website at sarahspurlock.com and remember my loves your body is yours it belongs to you not god have sex for fun get yours you deserve it and don't let anyone tell you what true love does or is because true love can't really be fucking tamed and when our true love runs wild we have power and guess what they don't want that the church doesn't want that so take back that fucking power. True love is doing whatever the fuck you want when it comes to your body because you deserve the happiness and joy that comes with it. Until next week, my loves, I love you so much and girl fucking power.